Apple's U.S. iPhones can all be made outside of China if needed. So apparently, Apple specifically less reliant on China than we may have originally thought. This story via Bloomberg. Apple's devices are made by a company called Foxconn. Many people are aware of this. Foxconn actually headquartered in Taiwan, not mainland China. Now, that doesn't mean iPhones don't come from China. They, of course, do. Foxconn runs production facilities, manufacturing facilities in China, even though it's headquartered in Taiwan. But they've also got facilities elsewhere in the world, and they, of course, have been tracking this trade war very closely. Apple has kind of been a target of conversation within this trade war as the icon of American companies in the tech space uh, as a potential target within this trade war, a target for China to, to respond to some of the fallout, uh, some of the effect that Trump's ban or, or executive order has had on their flagship, the Huawei brand. So... Coming out ahead of it, you have an executive, a very important executive from Hanhai Precision Industry Co., also known as Foxconn, coming out and saying, hey, uh, we're good, saying we can shift our production elsewhere. 25% of our production capacity is outside of China, and we can help Apple respond to its needs in the U.S. market, adding that investments are now being made in India for Apple. Specifically, we have enough capacity to meet Apple's demand. So specifically, the important part here is iPhones destined for the U.S. market, which is about one in four iPhones, as I understand it, based on this article here. Thank you very much, Bloomberg. Uh, the reason those are the important iPhones is because those are the ones that would be tariffed, presumably, or those are the ones that could have issues because of their origin being made in China. So what would have to happen here is Foxconn would have to sort of redistribute its manufacturing, uh, um, its, its strategy, manufacturing strategy. They'd have to move some of their product to those Chinese factories, that like less problematic product. And then their facilities elsewhere in the world would have to then assume the role of manufacturing those iPhones that were destined for America specifically. Now, India, a really interesting, a really interesting place component in this whole conversation, because of course we talked in the past about how India has been trying to incentivize companies like Apple to move their production domestic within India in exchange for certain incentives. So you employ Indian people, and therefore your product is taxed less, it, it, you, you're, you're able to offer it for a lower price and therefore it could be more competitive. So Apple has already been interested in moving some of its production to India via Foxconn. So Foxconn operates a facility in India currently, which is responsible for older generation iPhones as well as the iPhone XR that they're testing out. Now, Apple has been careful, Foxconn has been careful about moving around the flagship level production outside of China, but they're stating, hey, we can do it. They seem confident. But then again, this could be some sort of a publicity move. This could be some sort of a move to uh, flex a little bit, Will. A little muscle flex. Hey, China, hey, China. Uh, you want to put the heat on us? Uh, we're going to move. We can go wherever, anywhere. Brazil, in fact, in this article, they even say they could come to the U.S., which I am a little skeptical, to the state of Wisconsin. Apparently, Foxconn got a bunch of money from the government. Uh, what they were going to, they got $4.5 billion in government incentives to build a 13,000 worker facility in Wisconsin. But from what I understand, this has been problematic, hard to do. Apparently, they've been shifting goals, nothing's happened. But they still say, hey, we're on track. We're going to employ 2,000 Americans by the end of 2020. And we're going to keep that $4.5 in incentives, by the way. Now, of course, that's Trump's whole thing. American jobs. This is, uh, 
this is going to satisfy a lot of people. They're like, yeah, we want to make our own iPhones. I'm saying no, I remain skeptical just because it hasn't happened yet. Making phones is hard. We talked about it on a previous episode. Apple has been, Apple and Foxconn, they've been slow to adopt this idea of distributing the manufacturing. Quality control. When you have a singular source, a well-trained source, you're happy. You go, it's less to, to, to govern comparatively. If everything is distributed all over the place, there's added complexity, more training, more uh, potentially more uh, less efficiency, let's say. So anyhow, this guy, uh, this executive from Foxconn gets out in front of it. They make the claim. It's, it appears to have affected Apple somewhat positively. Their stock is up a little bit. I think investors would be happy to hear this, that Apple relies on China apparently less than may have been originally thought. But the question remains, is this hypothetical or is this a thing that can go into action tomorrow? Can someone snap their fingers? Also, there's obviously, obviously Foxconn would be acting in such a fashion that you would assume wouldn't be received positively from mainland China. Like, oh, we're just going to move the iPhones out of town. Yeah, no problem. It, what, what does that mean? Are people going to be out of work? What happens to the facilities that are currently doing it? Is there enough work outside of Apple that they can shift there? to satisfy that local economy? Who knows? There's probably going to be some collateral damage or possibly even a different type of retaliation. So anyhow, it's complicated. But apparently, iPhones don't need to be made in China. That's according to Foxconn. Staying on the Apple subject for a second, Apple has uh, been trying to sue the owner of an independent iPhone repair shop in Norway. This is uh, close to home for me. I've spoken in the past about my previous business prior to getting started here on YouTube, I used to repair iPhones, change batteries out. It was in the early days, pre-Apple Store, at least in my region. It's one of the few places that that kind of stuff took place. Uh, Apple, not cool with it these days. We covered the uh, we covered the situation with Lewis Rossman, who was trying to import parts for his repair shop in New York. He's bumped into all kinds of issues. This one here seems similar. Apple lost its case. Yeah, this is the article here via motherboard. Apple lost its case originally uh, against this repair shop. They're not going to let it go. Trillion dollar company. They want this man. They're not happy about it. Now, here's the gist of it. When you're doing repairs for these for this stuff, it's very hard to get your get your hands on legitimate parts. Legitimate, in other words, signed off on with a badge straight from Apple. So they're is an industry in China that aims to satisfy the demand for these third-party uh, or, or for these replacement parts. They are third parties themselves. So they manufacture these replacements these uh, or they refurbish pre-existing ones for the purpose of people being able to hold onto their, their devices longer, repair the devices that they already have. And so shop owners like this guy go online Maybe they link up with these suppliers via AliExpress, you know, sites like this, and then they order the replacement parts so that they can uh, continue to service customers via their business. You can find uh, various things on sites like AliExpress, whether it's screens. I believe this guy was actually ordering screens. Yeah, it was 63 iPhone 6 and 6S screens that he had ordered, seized by Norwegian Customs and said that he must pay $3,566 and admit wrongdoing to avoid being sued by Apple, uh, this individual. So as you can see here, you can order replacement screens for iPhones. Are they official? Are, are you know, you can see, the, like, look at the brand name on that one there, Will. Hot Truth, AAA. <laughs> They're trying to tell you it's the real deal. I mean, is it the real deal? It's it's very similar. It might even come from the same manufacturing facility as the original part. It just doesn't have the Apple stamp on it. So this brings into the whole question, the idea, right to repair. Should you be able to repair your thing? Should you have access to parts? Should Apple make it easier? And if they don't make it easier, should you be allowed to go and buy a third-party part for it so you don't need to get a brand new phone? Like, what were the costs on those screens, by the way? Well, go back to AliExpress. I mean, you're talking about these are lots, so five for 100. Wow, look at that, 12 bucks, 12 to 19 bucks, factory LCD screen, iPhone 6S. You see what I'm saying here? If you have an iPhone 
6S and you're happy with it, pick up a screen for 12 bucks. I mean, this guy was obviously probably charging more than that because he's doing the install and all the rest of it. And he, and he was buying them in bulk as well, though. He bought 63 of these things. So they're apparently easy enough to make to charge this amount of money for. And it helps people, it helps people hold on to their device a little longer, possibly create a, a little bit less waste, assuming they're happy with it, and so forth. You understand the concept, this idea of right to repair. Apple, they don't want to understand that concept. They lobbied against that idea, in fact, here locally, with our provincial government in Ontario, but also in California, they lobbied against it. There were uh, proposals in place to change things, to make it easier for individuals to repair their stuff themselves and also through these uh, uh, independent repair shops. But Apple lobbied, they got that stuff thrown out and it, it never went anywhere, even though people are still trying, people are still having the conversation. In this case, this guy won. He won his case in Norway, but Apple's coming back for more. They're not happy about it. They still want him to admit wrongdoing, to stop doing what he's doing. And they're just not, they just don't like the idea of these third-party repair shops. So they're going to sue this man, and they're not about to give up. I think it's, Will, like, relax if you're Apple, no? Relax. Little guy in Norway? I mean, I don't know if he's little. He might be big. I don't, he's just a guy in Norway. 63 screens. What's he doing? What's he affecting? What's he impacting? Obviously, there's a demand. Like, there's people that are interested in his service. They're happy with their phones. They like what he's doing. That's why he's ordering up 63 displays. And they like their iPhone, presumably. They like Apple, which is the reason they're trying to repair the thing in the first place. They want to hold on to their phone. Is that so bad? Well, for the certified uh, Apple repair shop, is it like a long process for Apple to approve you? Yeah, they just or they just don't do it. In the first place, they would say, hey, in, in, in whatever geographic region, we're already happy with our right. services and we don't think we need another repair shop. They could say something like that. They right. might have their own store there. And also they have their own policies, Will, which their own policies would come, across, come along with certain prices, which then could be beneficial to them because they could then convince through the repair shop, they could sort of by consequence of having a high repair price, if they're supplying the parts, they could encourage people to just buy a new one. Right? The market doesn't then determine it. They do. So let's say their official repair screen is 200 bucks. For an iPhone 6, you're like, well, forget it. Right? You need the aftermarket to come in there and say, look, maybe it's not an official part, but here's just like the car analogy we made in a previous episode. You need somebody else to be able to manufacture the alternative part. If you want the official one, go to the official place, pay the official price. But without the aftermarket supplier, it's so cost prohibitive that Apple gets to create their own situation because they control too many pieces. So they can say, hey, the official parts for the official repair shop that is certified is going to be so much that no one's going to go for it. And they're going to end up in the Apple store either way. Right. See, that's the problem with that mentality. So look, this has been hot. It's a hotly debated topic, whether or not people should be able to repair their own things, if the market should support that, if the government should protect it. It's a sticky situation, but this is predatory in my in my mind. Here's a guy who ordered 63, you know, 63 screens. It's a small time deal. I know what Apple's going to say. They're going to say, hey, we let this guy go. Turns into a huge enterprise. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's a weird taste. What about the 63 people that were going to get those screens? How do they feel about your brand now? How do you feel about your brand now reading this, that you're suing this guy? I mean, it goes both ways. So if I'm, if I'm advising Apple and, you know, they're not listening to me regardless, but if they wanted to, I'm saying ease up. Ease up. This is small time stuff for you. You're big time. This is small time. There's 63 people with a new screen. Let's chill out a little bit. All right, well, I know you wanted to talk about this. Uh, a lot of stuff happened at E3. Video games, sir, it's happening. Uh, a lot of new titles announced. Also some new hardware from Microsoft. Can you break it down for us? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's called Project Scarlet. Uh, Microsoft is making a new console. Um, it's coming out in 2020. And um, let me see. New game to go with it, Halo Infinite. Yeah, 8K support, 8K support, that's some ridiculous resolution. SSD storage, so faster load times, that's a welcome addition. Ray tracing graphics as well on there. Yeah. 
Uh, that's some exciting stuff. I, I don't know. And they're going to keep the optical disc drive as well as support for old Xbox stuff. So maybe they learned from their mistakes in the past. Yeah, yeah. Remember when they were like, yeah, yeah you can't play your old game. People flipped out. Mm -hmm. People were so upset about that. They like, uh, they, they want legacy. They I know, which is, games. which is, I think that's what people ask for. That's what people hope for. Yeah, and um, PlayStation didn't have an event, but they um, they announced that you know PS5 will have similar specs. Mm. So it's going to have a eight core AMD CPU, yep. based on the chip manufacturer's seven nanometer process. Its graphical capabilities will also run on AMD hardware based on the Radeon Navi architecture. These are going to be powerful, as expected. Right. Now, you also mentioned that there is going to be some sort of cloud component. Yeah, so Xbox is releasing uh, Project X Cloud, which is going to be released in October, a month before Stadia. So there's going to be competition there. I think PS, PS5, um, they have PS Now. Uh, it's already launched, but I think they're actually going to really revamp it and add like more titles so they can compete with uh, X Cloud. Now... We reported previously on the partnership, the handshake that happened between Microsoft and Sony. It's possible that there's some interoperability there. Right. They seem to be friendly with one another. So there's a potential that they could team out, team up, have certain benefits, connections between their cloud services to uh, beef up their product offerings against the other competitors like Stadia and so forth. There's not a lot of information here about that specifically, but presumably that could happen. Yep. So release date, what are we looking at? 2020, you said? Uh, where is it? Yeah, 2020. That's all they're saying. Holiday 2020. So that's yep. a little bit more specific. If you've been holding out, if you need a new console, if you're a console gamer, uh, yeah, things are improving. It continues. I remember the conversation previously about cons consoles being over. Like, like, I remember the last PlayStation. They're like, this might be the last PlayStation. Yeah. But apparently that's not the case. Gaming, still healthy enough. And who knows, this, uh, this cloud idea, this cloud situation could, be, uh, could breathe some new life into the idea of console or at least living room gaming. It'll be really interesting to see how they differentiate the product offering. Because obviously, if you have gaming via the cloud, you still want to have a controller, physical controller for these AAA titles. Presumably, you want to be on a display. The way that Stadia is talking about it is with the Chromecast. You can imagine the Chromecast like being a mini little console, kind of. Mm -hmm. These consoles here, they're going to behave that way, but then they're also going to have the local storage via SSD, so you can still download games. So they're going to be kind of more Swiss Army Knife versions of that. But how do you not cannibalize the old-school physical download version of the game for the cloud version like how how do they all operate together in such a fashion that lets them have their own uh airspace so to speak so that they don't bite too far into the other product it'll be interesting to see how they map it all out but it's uh it's a modern approach i like the idea of being able to have these various ways to interact with your games Possibly you go with a cloud service. Possibly there's a subscription there because you like to interact in that fashion. And then if you're old-fashioned and you're one of these people hating on Stadia saying, hey, man, it doesn't work. I got a bad connection or I want to have my game local or whatever, you could do that as well. So it looks like both Sony and Microsoft are going to aim to deliver a package like that. Did you know Facebook is uh, unveiling a new portal, new portal hardware? This is that device that like nobody, everybody was like, why, how, I, there's no way I would put that in my, like this is the scariest looking thing ever, probably, in your house. Imagine you come home and you look at this thing, Will. You're like, oh, that's just my Facebook portal. Yeah. Hi, I'm home. You know, I saw a demo of this. It actually tracks you, like it rotates. Yeah, it moves around the room. It follows you. It's a camera. It's not enough to have a camera looking at you at home when you're relaxing in your underwear, but then it follows you around the room. Just to let you know, it still sees you, Will. And of course, in the commercial, they're like, no, 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 it's friendly. It's all friendly. You're cooking. You're, 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 you're in the kitchen. You're cooking. And you're talking to family and friends. You know, the way a commercial would be, obviously. Look, the kids are like, woo, we got the portal. Hi there. Hey, Grandpa. 
Check me out. I'm here. You know, it's scary. I don't know. This was not received well. And maybe some people did. I think there's a lot of apprehension specifically because it's the Facebook brand, guys. I mean, you you tell me. Facebook, did that instill confidence in you? Does that does that seem private to you? Does that sound like pri- do you hear privacy when you hear the word Facebook? Anti privacy. Yeah, you hear the opposite. A lot of people hear the opposite. You want Facebook in your house in camera form when you're doing when you're doing that stretch. Can you rewind there, please, Will? You know? Yeah. No, you don't. Don't don't you want this uh, while you're cooking? No, uh, you don't, Will. You don't. You know? I don't want a Facebook Cooking portal, a okay? I don't want it. I apologize. I don't want it. All right? I apologize. Facebook, Mark, I apologize. I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're trying to do. Like they say, like in this thing here, it says hardware is coming to the home and we want to make sure that human connection, connection between two people is a first party experience on that hardware. Imagine saying that sentence, Will. Imagine I came in here this morning and that's what I said to you. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, that's a nightmare. Okay. It sounds like a nightmare. You see? And that's, uh, anyway, that's their official statement. I feel like they're a bit out of touch. I'm going to be honest. A bit out of touch how, how uh, the public perception of that brand, what people want from them, what people are really looking for. Like, is it a portal, Will? I don't know. Not me, not you. It's a portal of lies. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. That's not what people are looking for. Maybe that's what it is right now. Lots of privacy scandals. This brand, I mean, Facebook has had trouble with almost all of its hardware experiments. Remember there was a Facebook phone that nobody wanted from them? Like, it turns out, I don't know. I just get this feeling that there's there's a kind of a vibe around this brand, Facebook, and people's comfort level with that brand. I talk to a lot of people in the street. Yeah, it's anecdotal. I talk to people, and, and people are like, yeah, I still use, yeah, yeah, I got a Facebook, but I'm barely there, this and that. It's just not, maybe they should have just called it something else completely. You know, like Instagram is still hot, maybe because it's not called Facebook. Maybe that was the best acquisition they ever made. People feel like it's something different. And maybe they should have just, maybe they should have some other name completely for their hardware project. Because Portal from Facebook, it's freaking me out. And I, I'm sure I'm not alone. You guys let me know what your opinion is on the matter. But uh, I don't want to come home to that thing tracking me. Tracking me around. Mm. I'm not ready for that. Like, people are people think voice assistants in some cases can be intrusive. You know, the little Google Home or the Alexa or whatever. Now you got this guy following you around? That's the next level. I'm not feeling cozy with that guy watching me. That's me. With that guy watching me. Does that make you feel cozy? No. I don't think so. I found this thing. uh, It's a visualization of internet suppression. Maybe you could just Google that. Visualization, internet suppression. It's this really cool. You're going to appreciate it because you used to be in the graphic design world, Will. Real uh, visual guy. And so I think you're going to appreciate the layout that they did here. Because it's pretty cool infographic. And you can pan around, scroll around this really big image. And what it does is it maps, in in visual terms obviously, internet suppression around the world. And to what degree your internet is being controlled or to what degree it's open depending on where you live. And of course it's very different around the world. Uh, On this particular infographic canada where we are actually scores pretty well it's uh third best iceland and estonia are tied on at a level six in the blue zone for very free as you see well this this circle that goes around the whole infograph here maps just how yeah there you go how free it is and then there'll be like a, a country at the end of each one of these bars blue represents very free Yellow is partly free, and pink is not free at all. And there's still a scale to that. And so you have Iceland, 
Estonia, Canada, Germany, then USA, UK, France, Georgia, Italy, Japan. You can track it down. You can find your country on this particular one. That kind of rounds out at least the majority of the relatively free or free, very free. Mm. Partly free is most of the world. When you zoom out, you'll see it represents a lot of the world. And then uh, the control, the, the controlled internet, the, what do they call it? Just the controlled internet? What are they calling the pink zone there? Not free. Not free. The not free internet, of course, dominated by a few countries. China scoring an 88, Iran, 85, Syria, 83, Ethiopia, 83. And uh, so anyway, there's a couple of examples of, of different situations in which the internet may have been suppressed in these different regions. And you can see that as well represented on this spiral infographic. It's kind of cool. I'm curious, where do you live? And how controlled is your internet experience? I know we have a lot of viewers from India. India scores a 43, so it's kind of in the middle. But India actually leads the world in the number of internet shutdowns with over 100 reported incidents in 2018 alone. That could be a consequence of scale, but India's in the middle zone right now. Surprisingly, South Korea, also in the middle zone, barely, but in the middle zone. I didn't necessarily know that. It's a cool infograph. Of course, you can, you can read deeper into how this affects you or where these numbers came from, but if you want a quick glance, you can pop open this internet suppression spiral yourself you can look it up it's uh i thought it was pretty cool there's a company that is offering one thousand dollars to anyone willing to give up their smartphone and use a flip phone uh i think i tried to do this at one time maybe it wasn't a flip phone it was some type of dumb phone this is hard to do obviously uh especially for somebody like me that's very connected uh I guess this is a promotional idea for this particular telco company. They want the individual who does get accepted to this program to vlog their experience and showcase how difficult it is to, to live your life like it was uh, the 1990s or something like that. So they have to track their experience. They have to see how long it takes to do certain tasks, such as texting, trying to look something up on the internet. And the company also asked the person to document how many hours of sleep they got a night and if their productivity changed. So it's some sort of like a experiment with their customers. The company said there's bonus points for applicants who are active on social media or willing to vlog their experience. Applicants must be 18 years or older. So they're looking for submissions. They're gonna pick some people to get this thousand bucks. What do you think, Will? Is it worth a thousand bucks to you? to hey, uh, give up your smartphone if i'm a student or something you know and i uh i'm low on cash why not you give up your smartphone yeah you're on the flip phone yeah you think you can handle it i'll give it a shot yeah why not? maybe it's not that hard maybe there's a lot of people are like hey man i'll take the thousand i can maybe they're going to get a lot of applications you know i don't know it doesn't even seem like it's necessarily that long that they have to go without it but it would be interesting to see what these people discover it's funny they're looking specifically for people who are into social media obviously that group more likely to be addicted to their smartphone and therefore also probably more likely to deal with some degree of oh what do you call that what, what do you call that when you're addicted to something uh, withdrawal kirk with the saving the day not just fl uh flipping the switches saving the day in fact, as someone well. has to. This show, imagine what would have happened if we didn't have that word right there. Fire. Imagine. Explosion. I couldn't continue. I know I couldn't continue without that word. No chance. So anyway, all right, you you take the grand. I'm curious what people think. Well, would they take the grand as well? If you did take the grand, what would you miss most about your smartphone? Using a flip phone. Mm, probably the camera. Taking pictures of Otis. Pictures of Otis. Well, I guess the flip phone can, but not terrible. Uh, not good quality. You're not sharing those images. You're not. There's no archive level image. I can use the internet, right? Like on my laptop or something. Uh wait. Yes, I think you can. You're allowed to. Let's see. Just to be clear, you are allowed to use a laptop or computer for work. For work. 
It says. Okay. And you will not use the smartphone for seven days. So. That's not bad. Look, I think a lot of people are going to take them up on it. I think people can do it. I think people underestimate themselves. They think, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm addicted to Twitter. I'm addicted to this and that. It's like, you know, humans can be disciplined. You're running the same hardware as other human beings, and you got those guys in Tibet chilling, you know, the monks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You're running the same hardware. What excuse do you have? You, be, you might surprise yourself. You might be able to get in the zone. And, uh, and, and you might even, you might even be happier, you know, you might even realize in those seven days, you're like, I'm sticking with the flip phone. Cause I'm going to be like this guy with the orange outfit on top of the mountain. Look at him. Top of the world. Top of the morning to you, Will. Mm. One thing, does he get to have a coffee when he wakes up in the morning? I don't know. Cause I don't know if I could give that one up. Does that guy right there on top of the mountain in the comfy orange does he get to have a coffee in the morning? Kirk? He should. Kirk, since you gave us he the should. last one there, you say yes. Okay. Well, then we're good. We can do it. Uh, I've been using a OnePlus 7, Will. OnePlus 7 Pro. Not OnePlus 7. OnePlus 7 Pro. And uh, I came acro across this article about the battery life, battery comparison. Um, when you set up the phone, you, you have an option. So... You don't have to run the device in 90 hertz and full res. It's an option. And I get it. Like one of the things about this phone that feels really fancy and, and really compelling, one of the things I like about it, it just feels so snappy because of that 90 hertz display. Looks good. OLED, full screen. Uh, but it turns out it can, it can bite into your battery life a little bit. And so this battery comparison was putting the OnePlus 7, the regular OnePlus 7, that, uh, that you can't get in North America, up against the Pro version with the 90 hertz display. And they discovered that if you toggle back the refresh rate, you can actually gather back a little bit of battery life as well. As you can see, uh, Will's got a graph here demonstrating just how, much, how many minutes of life you can get back by toggling not just the refresh rate, but also the resolution. So I know there's a lot of OnePlus 7 Pros out there as well as other smartphones. And <coughs> I just thought it's a little uh, public service announcement here that if your phone allows for it, if you can toggle back refresh rate or resolution, you may actually get more value out of extending your battery life. So it's something to think about. I'm not doing it because I'm not having battery issues, to be clear. Uh, I find, the, I find the battery to actually be doing really well for me on the 7 Pro. And I'm leaving the 90 hertz going. But if you want to toggle it off, you can do so. It's in the settings menu. Under resolution, you can choose between QHD+, FHD+, or auto switch. And then, of course, 90 hertz or 60 hertz. 60 hertz is just going to look like a regular, like every other phone. So for a lot of people, that might be worthwhile. Exchange for a little extra battery life. But it's just so smooth right now, Will, that... Uh, I don't necessarily want to do it myself. I just want to get the message out there. You get to choose. Fluid, nature, smoothness, butter. Some people calling it the, uh, the fastest phone in the world. You ever have butter, Will? Butter's great. You love butter. Can't you tell? You know what? I should have known. I should have known. Sometimes if a guy, in, in, if a guy has a nice... Jump shot in basketball, you say it's like butter. Uh. You know, not the, not the stuff you can't believe it's not butter. I'm saying you could say that shot is like butter. Mm. You could even just say that shot is butter. Uh. Just smooth. Creamy. It's unbelievable. Well, that's how a lot of people are describing the OnePlus 7 Pro as well. So keep it that way unless you need the, ad in, in, unless you need the added extra battery life. Then get rid of the butter. It's up to you. You know who Quentin Tarantino is, Will? Oh, yeah. Do you actually? I do. He's a great guy. You know him personally? <laughs> if I can spell his name. <laughs> yeah, you don't know the spelling. I think you're lying. You want to know what the first rule of a Tarantino film set is? Vin, you know this? No cell phones on set. No cell phones on a Tarantino film set. 
Can you imagine that? He's dealing with these high-level, high-profile celebrities, and he's like, nah, leave your phone at the door. I don't care who you are. Man, can you imagine? The agents like, I need to be in touch with you. DiCaprio, uh, Brad Pitt. I gotta, I might have a commercial in Japan for you. What do you mean, Tarantino won't let you have your phone? And they're like, no, 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 he causes shots. Imagine calling shots like that. Those are, that's a real shot caller right there. That is, that's power in the industry. Cell phones stay at the door. So the way it works, Will, you show up on set. There's a little hut at the front. If you want to enter the set, you've got to put your phone right there. You want to go make a phone call or check your phone at any point in time, you've got to head outside off the set in order to check it. And apparently there's a, a, a serious repercussions if you break the rule. If all of a sudden you pull the phone out, it's a zero tolerance. You're fired. He's firing people on the spot. That's some old school stuff right there. Imagine that. You see some dude, get your friend gets, boom, fired. You're like, whoa, I'm putting my phone away. Now, what's interesting about this article, this is uh, via vulture.com, is I thought, you know, you might think, okay, What's the reason for this? Your first instinct might be, well, he doesn't want pieces leaking out because if phones get in there, people, you know, social media, they're snapping photos of everything. They might ruin, spoil the surprise of the movie that they're working on. Of course, he has a new movie coming out, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's not the reason. The reason is he feels like it screws up the vibe. He's trying to get a pure, intimate, environment without distraction he feels like that's gonna help make the best product the best movie probably be offended that i called it a product so what can we what can you take away from that imagine how many environments in which creative environments could benefit from a no smartphone policy leave it at the door imagine how locked in people could be without distraction just I'll pick my phone up on the way. Now, no one's going to ever go for it, obviously. They're going to say that's discrimination, that's harassment, that's everything. They're going to label it. It's everything. But somehow, in Hollywood, in this day and age, he can get away with it. And I find that to be quite impressive. That with these high-profile people, the agents, the dollars, all the mechanisms in place in Hollywood, he can say, leave the phone at the door to those big names. Good for him. You got to appreciate that. He's old school. Old school. So let me just tell you, Will. Next time you're on set, a Tarantino movie, yeah. you put that phone away. So. I'll leave my flip phone yeah. near the door. He might let you keep... No, he, he didn't even let you keep uh, the flip phone because you might be... Uh, still get texts or something. Here's a quote. We're not going to be over here, there, doing some other thing. Instagramming, working on your next script or talking to your agent. We're here, and this is what we're doing. And we're going to take it really seriously. I don't know how it comes across, but it was one of the greatest gifts he could give the crew and actors. It's come from somebody on set here. And if somebody dared to disobey Daddy Q with their ringtone going off, oh man, it was scary, he added. That person just took off running. That could be you, Will. So put the phone away, okay? Yeah. I don't want to have to see you take off running next time. Since you know him personally, that, you call him Daddy Q, from what I understand. Since I can't spell his name. Since you can't Daddy. spell his name, next set that you're on, put the phone away. It's a cool idea. I don't think it's going to work in uh, Unbox Therapy headquarters here. I don't think anybody's putting their phones away. Jack's been on his phone for the last uh, four hours over there. So... No daddy Q around here. Glued to his face. There's no, we got no daddy Q. You ever heard of, you ever heard of a salad frosting? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. See, you didn't hear, you didn't, you thought I was lying. You thought I was lying. The search result is three consecutive pictures. <laughs> yeah. You didn't believe me. Salad frosting. It's the hot new, hot new trick to get your kids into eating more vegetables. Mmm. 
Man, it's scary. What a time to be alive. I almost forgot. What a time to be alive, Will. We live in an era of salad frosting, sir. Never mind bezel-less displays and fancy cameras. We got salad frosting. 2019. Ladies and gentlemen. Kids still aren't eating their vegetables, so uh, Kraft is going to give you, uh, what did I call it? Did I just screw it up? Salad frosting? Salad frosting. It sounds weird to say it. Anyhow. Yeah, Kraft is giving you salad frosting so that eating salad can be more like eating cookies and milk. <laughs> That's what it says here. Some combinations are a match made in heaven. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, and now... Salad and frosting. Woo! So is it legit? No, it's not. It's marketing. Okay. It's not actual frosting. It's some kind of dressing. You know, it's ranch. I see. It's crafty. You're having a, having a laugh, you know? Mm. Trying, to, trying to fool kids into eating their vegetables. I don't know. Is that any good? Is that, is that, does that work? I mean, can you fool them, really? How about you just convince them? Eat your vegetables or you're dead. You know? Are you happy with that? Not eating your vegetables is linked to XYZ. You want to read the article, child? Yeah, didn't think so. So, tell you what, no salad frosting in my house, Will. It's unbelievable, though. I guess you can't, uh, marketing, who knows? Someone's going to pick it up. They're going to be in the store. Look at that mom. She's happy with it. Scroll down. Look at her. Look at her. She's never been happier. So my kids, they're eating broccoli now. Craft saved my family. Cra no, it's just it's just marketing. It's just ranch dressing in there. Look at her. Uh, salad frosting saved my marriage. See that? <laughs> See that, Will? Okay, I may have made up part of that. But she, damn, she's happy about. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Oh. Hey, I'll t Vin, look at this. Vin, see how happy she is there. Salad frosting. Anyway. Yeah, you never know what they're going to come up with. They're going to repackage everything until we're dead. Me and you, Will. They're going to repackage it. Find another way. If you're Kraft, somebody got a promotion for this. They were in the boardroom. He's like, I got it. And then there was a huge pause. The whole boardroom. Salad frosting. And then everybody just... Promotion straight to the top. New office, new lease on a car, special outfit, the usual. New assistant, all the rest of it. Salad frosting. Okay, last one for me, Will. It's getting carried away here. Last one for me. You have, have you heard of this impossible burger, impossible meat stuff going on? Yep. Did you try it, by the way? No, I want to. Okay, so they got it at Burger King, right? Oh, yeah, I heard about this. They got at Burger <laughs> They got at Burger King. And uh but not every location. They got it at certain Burger Kings, but it's listed on like their you can order what is it called? It's like it must be like an Uber Eats type of thing. Skip the dishes? They they say seamless page. Well, I don't know what seamless is. Is that another way to order food? Anybody know? So anyway, they had it listed on this order form in this app. Listen, you can order this Impossible Burger in New York, but the Impossible Whopper wasn't in New York yet. So the manager that was getting these orders was like, I don't have the Impossible Whopper yet, so I'll just send them a regular Whopper. <laughs> so this guy didn't not take the order. He just sent the real, he just sent the meat burger to the vegetarians. They were like so excited. Like, I'm going to try this impossible burger. I can finally have a burger. And this guy was like, oh yeah, we'll see about that. I'll take your money and send you a cow. Now, the interesting thing about this story to me, I mean, first of all, like, why does this manager... It's funny, obviously, but like, why not just, why do you need this order? Like, you're Burger King. You got orders. I don't know. You need every single one of these orders. You can't wait for your own impossible burgers to show up. First of all. Second of all, how did these vegetarians know right away it was real meat? You see? What does that say about the impossible burger? 
Like, how can it be a one-to-one -one replica? How can it be impossible if every vegetarian that got this real burger was like, that's a real burger? Right away, they took a bite. Nah, it ain't impossible. That's a real burger. Because maybe it's not so impossible. Maybe you can tell right away. I don't know. Yeah. I got to try it. But it's an odd place to be in. You're a vegetarian. You don't want anything to do with cows. You still want a burger, sort of. <laughs> yeah, they start eating it. You know what I mean? Ordering more. They the, got, who knows? Maybe he's trying to get them hooked on the real thing. He, let them know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the plan. He wants to let them know what they're missing. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. People are unhappy. Look, I feel for you. There's a lot of reasons people don't eat meat well. There's religious, there's cultural, there's uh, health related. Some people can't have it. So, I, I, everybody has a right to be upset if they didn't order it and they got it. But... It does say something. This this stock for this impossible company is skyrocketing. People are amped for this plant-based burger. So they must be doing something right. People are ordering it even when it's not even really available yet. They, they just want to try it so bad. So it's uh, there's something happening. We're going to have to try it out. Maybe we got to make a video. I don't know. Because I'll tell you one thing. I'll get right down to the bottom of it. I'll let you know how impossible it actually is. Or if it tastes like I'm chewing on a barrel of hay. Hay doesn't come in a barrel, though. Mm. Hay comes in a stack. Hay comes in a bale. Bale. Hay bale. So maybe I'll be chewing on a hay bale. Will, do you have a story you need to share with us today? Or would you like to get straight into questions? Because I know you got things in life. Well, I mean. And I know, and I know you were out late last night. Yeah. As well. So I know that, I know that the dog ate your homework <laughs> because you were out acting like a 22-year-old last night out on the town, Liberty Village, 22-year-old Will. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, you're actually 44. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's being kind. So you were acting half your age last night. Yeah. Um, well, I talked about E3. Maybe we can just go through questions. Yeah, let's do it. Let's take a couple. I've been watching Unbox Therapy for years and Lou later since the first vid, and I enjoy this format a lot. My question would be, have you ever been to France? If so, what do you think of France? We're doing France now. Sheesh, we can't get away from it. Holy moly. We're going to run out of countries pretty soon here. Nah. I've been to France. Baguette, sir. Okay? That's racist. No, it's not. <laughs> they, it's real. It's a real thing. You want to know another funny thing? Okay, so here's France. Okay, I've, I think I've only been to Paris. Oh, no, I've been to Cannes as well. So I've been to the south as well. Okay. I mean, the south is like, it's crazy. It's tropical. There's a beach. The film festival. Uh, was, I was staying in a really cool place. Uh, food. Really nice food in France, obviously. Yeah. Uh, in Paris, it's every, it, the cafe scene is a whole scene. You sit on the, you sit outside. You got people rolling their own cigarettes. You got uh, people chilling. On a, on a coffee for a while. Yeah, this. This is all over the place. It's a vibe. It's a whole vibe. It's conversations happening. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, funny enough, it's not, just, it's not even just French food. I, I had good Italian food while I was there as well. It's a lot to choose from. And uh, a lot of history as well. I've, I've been there for a couple of smartphone events, and so I got to see some of the architecture. Everything is old. If it literally feels like everything is old in Paris, at least in my experience. I mean, of course, there's modern parts, but every, every place I was staying, it was like, man, this is a lot of history going on here. What's that building? Scroll down. That one with the gold, with the two gold. What's that one? I don't know. Maybe I was there. I can't really remember. But, uh, yeah, I would say the food was the most memorable. Maybe some of the wine, some of the history. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, uh, I speak, I, I took French in school, Will. I was going to say, do you? I, I, so I know five or six words as well. Right. Kirk, what is this action here? Salutations? Uh, je m'appelle. There you go. Lou later, <laughs> bros. Mm. Qu'est-ce que tu, s'il vous plaît? Uh, 
Il fait show. Is that hot? Hot. Hot. I mean, I could keep going. That's the thing. <laughs> Definitely. That's the thing. I could keep going. And so... We, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. Let's get to the next one. Hey, Lou. I'm Amon from Malaysia. Love your channel, by the way. Thank you very much, sir. I would like to ask you what specific moment that makes you a tech fan. Oh, man. It goes back. It's going back. I don't know exactly one moment specifically. Obviously, there's there's been different experiences that kind of like fortified the position of being interested. I remember since I knew about computers, I wanted a, a laptop. You were typing Walkman in there because you were trying to read me on the Walkman. Walkman, one one item I never talked about, I don't think, is mini disc. I had a mini disc player. I think I knew I was a bit extreme at that moment because like nobody in the school had one of these at the time. And I remember thinking that mini discs themselves looked so futuristic, so sci-fi at the moment. It had a matrix vibe to it. Like that's how we were gonna share information pre-internet. We're gonna pass these little discs around with Intel. Johnny Mnemonic. You know, that just, that was the vibe of it. So uh, rewritable, you could write audio onto the mini disc over again. I thought that was so exciting. Prior to that, I, even even just a radio I remember having, uh, early computers running DOS. I was into it, man. I can't pinpoint anyone. The smartphone obviously helped to fortify. Uh, the minute I had that experience, it was the computer in the pocket experience. That original iPhone, for example, my very first exposure to Android, I was like, okay, something's going on here. And I think that kicked off where I eventually ended up and what I eventually ended up talking about because I had those early experiences and I kind of, I, I think I sensed the disruptiveness. I, I sensed it was going to change everything. And uh, it's funny because I feel like the internet doesn't evolve as quickly as it did. Platforms like this don't happen as rapidly without the smartphone in the pocket because it spurred on so much adoption, quick adoption, exposure and access all at once and everywhere you go. So it's all been interconnected, but that device specifically, it didn't feel as nerdy, let's say, because smartphone adoption, it happened for everyone at the same time. So like when I think of a mini disc thing, I think of like being isolated into a small subset, a group of people that were going out of their way, out of their way to adopt some new technology. This one felt obvious and it was more just the way you interpreted it. How everyone knew it was a big deal. It's a question of how big of a deal you thought it might be. So it's all these different devices, I think, that led me to understanding my own enthusiasm for tech specifically. So you head to the next one. Last question of the day. You've been watching Unbox Therapy since y'all reviewed the Galaxy S3. I don't believe you, Frankie. People say stuff. I'm just kidding. I do believe you. That's incredible. That's 2012 he's talking about, Will. Where were you in 2012? Sleeping. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Uh, my question to you all is this. To you all, you have to answer this as well. The U.S. or Canadian government hires the entire Unbox Therapy team to be the makers of technology law for the entire country. What is your first law that y'all want to institute? Examples, smart roads, push for smart cars, countrywide security protocol, etc. Thanks. His subject line, an insane question, all caps. It is insane because no one's, that, that ain't going to happen. A lot of those projects are expensive and difficult to implement and would be hard to do as a government, really. If you were like, okay, tomorrow the ro we have smart roads. And I don't know to what extent he means or smart cars. Like gridlock drives me crazy. So I assume what he's getting at there is that they can all communicate and we can have a nice right. flow of traffic, something like this. I mean, man, you need so much money or, or so many buy-ins from different private companies. And then you have the pre-existing infrastructure that exists and all the cars that are all already out there. It's, it seems so difficult to do. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about this question too yeah, practically. What if it was just like a snap of a... I might be thinking about this question too practically. But I, he, he did say if you... If you're the maker of technology law, like tomorrow, you know, he's saying I'm getting hired right away. So I think I have to kind of think about this question in a practical sense. 
because he's asking me to govern right now. He's not saying, hey, 20 years, 50 years from now. He is saying now. So in that case, uh, I would probably tackle something a little bit more, a little bit more practical for that reason. And it's kind of similar to something we talked about on a previous episode is access to fast internet connection. I think that's doable. It is happening more frequently through the private sector. But one thing that happens through internet access, access to, to fast connections specifically, is that you see all kinds of byproducts that through accessibility, people do interesting things with it. I know me without a connection, what is this? It ain't much. I remember in the early days, Will, I had to, it was called the Rogers Wave. And what it was was this. Did you have that? I don't think so. It was like the first broadband that people got beyond dial-up. Rogers Wave. See if you can find the modem <laughs> from back in the day. No, maybe not. You just got Mr. Rogers waving at us. I think it was called Wave. Type modem, yeah. Is this it? No, no, no. This is much more recent. Did they come back to the name Wave? It, it looks sort of like the one on the far left there on the last page that you were on. There was some really old-looking one right there on the left. Off-topic. It kind of was like that. Does anyone remember Roger's Wave? That was it, dude. And if you had this in your house, like you had friends instantly because they were like, whoa, man, your web pages are loading instantaneously. Now, for me, in the modern era, it has a little bit more to do with upload because of the sharing of content and a lot of the projects you might undertake. You might be hampered by your ability to upload. Man, there's, there's kids that are professional gamers now because they've had connections. I could see it being a massive disadvantage to your brain and development to have certain people have that connection advantage and you not. So I don't know what the government specifically could do to help with that. We did that story recently about how in the UK they were trying to make it a right to have a 10 megabit connection at, at a minimum and they were going into rural areas that were underserviced and incentivizing companies to service those areas subsidized by the government. So you could probably, it would be some interaction between the private sector and government, but maybe in your private home, possibly in, ed in education, in schools, bring in the fat connections, Will, and let the people do what they must, mm. see what they do. They might do some unsavory things as well, Will, but hopefully the positive side overwhelms that and, and, and people, optimistic individuals, uh, uh, use that connection for uh, for positive, for the creation of something, for making things. Who knows what people are going to do? You you bump into kids, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm just developing this app right now. You know, I'm just doing this thing, whatever. You don't you don't really think about it. I think like so much of my personal education, for example, came via access to the web, and just like I wanted to learn a piece of software, just boom, here it is, easily available, streaming in real time. You take that for granted. A lot of people didn't necessarily have that. There's a surprising number of people that still don't have a connection like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't have that much cash and their parents just 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 use their phone and they're just like got a got a crappy connection and that that's not cool. So I don't know. I would try to aim at that. That seems more practical and immediate. I apologize for the lack of imagination, but I'm trying to be who knows? I might be elected tomorrow. It's possible. I need a plan. Yeah. I need a platform. It might happen, Will. You never know. Anyway, there you have it. There it is. What a time to be alive. Toronto Raptors going to game six. Look, I just got to get this out of the way. Oh, boy. No, it's quick. It's quick. Don't celebrate this Kevin Durant thing. Okay, that's rude. That's not who you are as a person. I get it. Knee-jerk reaction. He goes down, you start cheering because it's like you're a Raptors fan. Don't do it. It's not cool. It's not cool at all. It's... I'm not saying you need to hold a funeral. The guy is alive. Like, we don't have to be so grim about it. But it's more just like know how to cheer, right? There's a time to cheer. There's a time not to. There's a time to be quiet for a moment. And just to showcase your intellect around subject matter. To know that the injury that he sustained is substantial. There's consequences outside the realm of your night out having a beer, all right? It's not just about money. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say... To me, he's getting millions and millions of dollars. What? At a certain point, that's not what it is. Yeah, he needs to sign a big contract because he has to be at the same level as everybody else in the game. He has to you know, be in, fit into that hierarchy. That money becomes representative 
of how good you are. But he wouldn't have been there if that's what it was about. He wouldn't have rushed back if that's what it was about. This is about the everyday stuff. This is about the person that takes the risk. They try to help. They try their best. Was it the smartest? Obviously not. In retrospect. Could have gone a lot of ways, though. This could be you in your life in a certain situation. Don't tell me because he's had success in the past that uh, you got no, that you can't analyze it in that same fashion. That's still a person. That's still a person. He's trying to go out there and showcase some heart, some grit. And I know I'm in Toronto, so I know Toronto fans and I know people appreciate that on the purest level. So I have to admit, it's a bit upsetting to see people cheering the thing. I'm not saying that I can't understand it because the knee jerk, you're having some beers, I get all that. But now is the time, in retrospect, seeing the extent of the injury, understanding a little bit more, to cheer with some class, to put a little class on it. So we go, game six, we go to Oracle, Kawhi makes a statement, don't worry, it's all going down. It's going to be fine. Let's put some class on it. 